Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we're the quantum mechanics with the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. Weather update, Ben. I think, yes. i see what you think, I think good weather for cloud paradoilia. Oh, it is actually. Yeah, they were kind of Simpsons-y clouds on the way over. Yeah, blue today. skies, mm. few clouds. So, you know, you could look up at the sky and, and picture, picture something. I was trying to imagine a quantum mechanics logo, but that's probably a bit complex. <laughs> it's not too hot either. I would just say one and a half demons. Yeah, one and a half demons, yeah, on the demon scale. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start with a, a big thank you to Lagopus Scoticus, I think that's right. Lagop- I think so. Lagopus Scoticus. Not only for having a great name, but for joining the uh, Patreon programme this week. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. And I was thinking, Ben, good time to join the Patreon programme over the next week or so. Oh, yes, because we're backlogging. We're backlogging. We're going to be recording a, a few episodes because of summer and various commitments. So... Uh, for you patrons, you could have three episodes in a week. And that is enough to Well, you could you could go for a walk and then have a long bath with that, couldn't you? You could. And then you could get out of the bath and go for another walk. Probably. <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> there was a time when all of our listeners were listening in the bath. Yes, we did go through yeah. that, didn't we? And then we had that weird thing with you listening in the shower. But oh, that's uh, right, yeah. Yeah. Now we've had a few. We've had actually there's a lot of people that do do it on kind of country wooded walks and freak themselves out which always makes me laugh i suppose it's a bit hot for bars but maybe like two walks and a shower's worth yeah definitely that is that's 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 okay yeah yes and actually ben we've had uh, a couple of good stories and updates for the tqm tolpa project our sherlock holmes project but i think i'll save those to the end save them yes, to the end yeah i think so the segment which still has no theme tune yeah which i, I yeah i keep wanting to work on but I, i've got to get my violin out of the storage <laughs> cupboard <laughs> what is the difference between a fiddle and a violin are they the same i think i think they're the same i do play a fiddle i always imagine a fiddle you don't really put up to your chin you almost put it on your shoulder oh uh, yeah 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 so you're a bit more mobile yeah but i don't know if that is are technically correct or it's just a different way of playing it yeah yeah because yeah. i think he he fiddled i think yeah fiddled rather well hmm. i don't know i don't know someone it, our definition of shoulder versus chin i always remember him using his chin i don't know oh dear oh right okay there's probably there's probably classical musicians out there with their head in their hands going jesus what are these guys talking <laughs> about <laughs> There is no instrument you play with your head in your hands. That's good. That's good. Apart from when I see. <laughs> well, yes. So I wasn't quite sure what to call this week's episode because it does, it goes from one place and ends up in another. Okay. But I'll just tell, I'll just tell you the story. Seems like a good idea. <laughs> so Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> this is a good way to start it. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland has been connected with psychedelic drugs since the 1960s. Yeah. I think L- we know that. Lewis Carroll, he was a big LSD taker, wasn't he? Well, well, possibly, although my notes say it's never been proved, but... Oh. Um, but the, the, main, the main thing is, like, children's stories, they're driven, like, fantasy, myth, mythical creatures... Uh, but usually end up with a lesson at the end, don't they? They do. That's yeah, how it's always a moral tale somewhere. And when you grow up and you look at these things through the lens of being an adult, quite a lot of what we watched or read 
turns out they think, oh, God, there was drugs in that. Like Alice in Wonderland is one example, but the Magic Roundabout might be another. Yeah, well, there was lots of... Some some of them were spurious, weren't there? But there was lots of connections to that. Because Dylan was the... He was the rabbit, right? Dylan was the rabbit, yes. Yeah, it was supposed to be a stoner, wasn't he? And yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think he was actually supposed to be Bob Dylan. I read that somewhere. That really I'm, I'm not sure if that's, that's true. true but... Yeah, because he did have a guitar. He was a he folk did. singer. Yeah. At the Dylan, the dog. Well, both of them were, to be honest. <laughs> but the thing with Alice in Wonderland is that she did find herself under the influence of a mushroom. Yeah. She did fall down a hole into an entirely new world. After drinking some weird substance. Yes, but it is worth pointing out. (laughs) Uh, So I discovered that Dr. Heather Worthington of Cardiff University says that there is a strong possibility that people are attributing the story to psychedelics mainly because it was written during an era when its use was rampant, not necessarily because Carol was under the influence of anything. Has she not read or seen the story? (laughs) (laughs) Well, New York City Museum curator Carolyn Vega also added that it was never proven that Carol had had any experience using LSD or any other hallucinogens. Now, I don't know whether that is whitewashing by Mm -hmm. the estate or whatever. I don't know. But for legal reasons, they didn't. Um, He never touched the stuff. That thing I said earlier was complete and utter untruth. (laughs) (laughs) But what remains is Alice in Wonderland is an innovative story and we have recently begun to think of drugs as creative creating innovation i think but when i say recent i mean recent in the west not so much for other cultures and probably the time when we if we were going to pinpoint when drugs were most useful to society in terms of innovation it would probably be the lsd use amongst the computer scientists of palo alto Uh, between very specifically 1961 and 1965, when hundreds of people went underwent their own brand of personal research. One of these scientists was Douglas Engelbart, father of the computer mouse. Thanks to LSD, we've now got computer mice. He, <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Well, he but the way he put it was he just imagined him. He imagined how you solve the problem of moving around a screen. Right. And he did that under LSD. Because right. you would think, certainly from a computer programming point of view, being off your face is probably not the easiest way to program code. But that, I guess no, conceptually but, it might be interesting. Yeah, and sort of it, like the concepts, as you say. Um, and they were so, uh, psychedelics, so influential through the 60s and 70s that Steve Jobs was trying them out. He said that he used LSD to change his entire creative process. And it's said that Jerry Garcia invented the internet while he was tripping. Actually, it was a guy called Ken Casey. But they both thought the reason... It's not just they were taking drugs and having these wild ideas. They both thought that computers were the next big thing after drugs. And there's a really interesting book by a gentleman called John Markoff, What the Dormouse Said, How the 60s Counterculture Shaped the Personal Computer Industry. Yeah. Uh, you can see like, you see where they're coming from with the Alice in Wonderland, the Dormouse. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. So, um, so in the book, he basically claims that long-haired hippie types liberated computers from IBM and the military-industrial complex and profoundly changed the way that technology 
uh, is thought about and therefore becomes ubiquitous today. Before, the, they were these big machines behind sort of glass walls and they made the computers accessible, usable and friendly. The industry had had its consciousness raised. That's a really interesting point. It's something I've never thought about because it would explain, if you think about it, how the computer industry really, excuse the pun, mushroomed um, in the private sector, whereas a lot of advances like we've seen with the space race and stuff do come often from more of a military background. But if all your leading computer people are long-haired hippies who are dabbling a bit in drugs, the military's not going to want them, right? No. Well, there's a good reason why it all mushroomed. And this does get paranormal in a bit. If you just think I'm giving you um, a history of technology, there's a reason for explaining this. When you Uh, say it's going to get paranormal in a bit, is that to do with that drink you gave me before we started? (laughs) In about 20 minutes, it's going to get really weird. (laughs) In the book, uh, Mr Markov demonstrates that a good many of the electronics freaks who were working on inventing the future in the 60s and 70s were simultaneously soaked in drugs anti-war politics and weird ideas at the heart of the story is a chap is this chap doug engelbart who is a navy veteran trained in radar during world war ii and he became obsessed with the idea that computers could augment human intelligence mr engelbart set up a research group at stanford and despite its pentagon funding became an outpost for young creative radicalized engineers is this the same Stanford we seem to talk about on the podcast? It is. Every fight. Yeah. It was crazy, wasn't it? That place must have been insane in the 60s. Can you imagine just being... You almost got... Just, if you're going to go back in time, that would be a good place to go, wouldn't it? Stanford in the 60s must have been nuts. You've got people doing remote viewing trials. You've got the whole, you know, that whole uh, prisoner versus kind of captive thing that was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nuts. I always think... In my mind's eye, you know the um, the scientists from the Fast Show. Yeah, I, I imagine <laughs> them like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I won't do the impression, but if you're not familiar with yeah. that, just Google yeah, scientists yeah, yeah, Fast yeah. Show. You'll see it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, in the 1960s, he points out that computers were machines for maths, for computing. But Engelbert saw more than that. His team invented or envisioned every aspect of today's computing world, point-and-click, screen control, text editing, email networking. And he declared that his computers were the next big thing after ACID. He really did think this was a way of expanding human consciousness. Yes, exactly, exactly that. The other figure in the book is a Stuart Brand, and he takes a gentleman called Kesey, into and shepherds him through an acid trip and they invited guitarist jerry garcia and his band and that gives rise to the grateful dead can i just stop you just for a sec yeah because ben mentioned at the start of the podcast that we're working on um a few episodes because of the summer break or one of us did um it's really weird just before you came round, the episode i'm working on uh, involves a scientific test involving the audience of the Grateful Dead. That's weird. That is weird, isn't it? That is weird. That's a weird coincidence. I like that. Yeah. 
Sorry to interrupt no, you, no, but no, I thought no, it was worth great. bringing it up because no. I was literally looking at it before you came round. That is fascinating. Do you know, I don't think I've ever listened to a Grateful Dead album. Oh, I like the Grateful Dead. Maybe we should. Okay, I'll take it as homework. Yeah. No, American, when, I think it's called American Beauty. That's the one to start with. American Beauty, yeah. yeah. And um, I think that's what they mean in the song, a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. Is yes. that right? Yeah. That yeah. is indeed, deadheads, yep. Um, Brand went on to found the Whole Earth Catalogue, which uh, he describes as a hip compendium of random information, but was possibly completely useless. I had heard about the Whole Earth Catalogue, then I looked into it. Did, did you know what it was? No, no idea. It is essentially Google in um, in book format, and it comes <laughs> came out almost every year, then it became on and off, on and off, but it made quite a lot of money. Kind and, of like an Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, type. sort of, but it contained weirder ideas and okay. practical things you could do because encyclopedias don't necessarily have, you know, how to water ski or something like that, yeah. whereas they would they would have that. Right. And um, when Brand decided that Whole Earth had got to be a bit of a drag, he staged a demise party at which he stunned guests by giving away $20,000, which was his original investment. And there was a debate on how to spend it. Hmm. And because everybody um, who was sort of around him were kind of like these hippies, they decided they would um, they would give it to the Indians is, is basically... Um, what they decided, they were pacifists. They didn't want to um, sort of do anything nefarious with it. In fact, it was at this point, a lot of them said, computers shouldn't be there to make money. So so not only was this guy did a paper version of Google before anyone else, sounds like he was also the kind of first ever YouTuber. He sounds a bit Mr. Beast. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. going to give away 20 grand. You've got to decide where it goes. Yeah, well. yeah absolutely, absolutely. He'd be huge now, wouldn't he? yeah. Yeah. So before they did anything, um, a chap called Fred Moore, who was this ardent pacifist, they decided that he would safeguard the funds. Moore found that money made him unhappy, but computers excited him, as did a sense of community. And so in 1975, he founded an enthusiast society called the Homebrew Computer Club. (laughs) Hundreds of hobbyists came to the first meeting including Steve Wozniak, who went on to uh, form Apple Computer, of course. And the idea was that everyone should share information and it would have nothing to do with making money. But like I said, it did. 23 entrepreneurial seedlings, including Apple, would trace their roots to that very first meeting. Uh, And that includes Microsoft as well. But lots and lots of small startups that have become household names started in that meeting. I always like a music analogy. It's a bit like that um, that famous Sex Pistols gig in Manchester that there was like New Order and Joy Division and Simply Red and that, that buzz. There was like everyone was in the crowd at this really really small gig and it went on to be huge. Did Simply Red go to the toilet while all the good stuff was on? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Simply yeah, Red. Fans. It didn't really stick with Simply Red, but they did have commercial success. They in, did have commercial in success. Your analogy. Yeah, yeah. If uh, they hadn't invented Day Nurse, yeah. then uh, they probably would have had to try harder. But yeah. that that commercial has made them all their money. Yeah. Night Nurse, actually, isn't it? But the point is, was it the drugs that caused this to happen? Or is it something else? Could there be an entity that is driving humans to become technology-focused? 
an entity which perhaps doesn't have our best interests at heart. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so, so are you saying, I mean, maybe you'll get onto it, but are you saying that somehow the formation of that group may have been influenced by such an entity? I'm talking about the entities that they might have encountered. Right. And we'll come on to some of them. Oh, wow, that's, but, that's interesting. Um, what if... You know, what if the time was right for these entities to take control? And where I'm going with this, of course, is we you were talking about AI. Yeah. What about if there is something else which would prefer humans weren't there? Right. But we have to make the technology for them to come forwards. Okay. That's very X Files, isn't it? So let's talk about ayahuasca and DMT. Yep. I thought that was coming up. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to be referencing, there was a qualitative analysis which was conducted on all the experiences posted to the DMT Reddit community over a 10-year period from 2009 to 2018. So that is 3,778 experiences from 3,305 uh, 3, posts. And I'm going to focus on the entity encounters. So 45.5% of people reported an entity encounter. They said that they were um, predominantly um, uh, feminine phenotypes, deities, aliens, creature-based entities, reptilians and insectoid beings, mythical beings, and my favourite, machine elves. Ooh, well, I've never heard of a machine elf. And jesters. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. Yeah. But machine elves, they're my favourite. That's the only way people can describe them. And 45% of people agree that machine elves are in their, in their experience. It's funny, cause I've, but I, I've been watching some kind of YouTube roundups of internet trends. And there is, you know, the trend, of, there is a name for it, but I've, it's, it's gone out of my mind. But, you know, the people on YouTube who pretend to be robots... And you give them gifts like ice cream or flowers. Or oh, whatever. yeah, yeah. And they just repeat the saying, don't they? Thank you for the, you know, you've probably yeah, yeah. seen them. Um, <laughs> that's only very, you've seen them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the internet, YouTubers, you've seen them. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Lee. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Lee. And um, a lot of them look quite elf-like. And oh, they're yeah, pretending to be robots. So I think that's quite an interesting connection because that's a lot... You know, what period was were you talking about with these Reddit things? It's been oh. before that trend, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People have been seeing machine elves for years. But yeah. um, It's interesting, though, that they're so popular. Yeah. There's something that draws people to them, is what I'm saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so people describe the entities in different ways. Um, they co most commonly called them beings, um, guides, spirits, aliens, helpers, and other uh, other labels where which were sort of less uh, popular. They called them religious personages, plant spirits, gnomes, monsters, angels, and of course the machine elves. Mm. Only nine percent of people said that these beings existed entirely within themselves a whopping 91 percent said they were real entities that in a real other yeah they, that they encountered so uh, uh, at least they believed that their um encounter with this thing even though it was drug induced had some basis in reality yeah it was opening a doorway yeah and, and it's funny because uh, i was good that that vibe of it and you mentioned um native american indians earlier 
there is that kind of culture, isn't there, South American culture as well, where the use of drugs does often involve some access to spirits or uh, entities or, you know, something like that. Whereas I don't really associate that with kind of hippies and LSD. No, 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 I don't either. And I, I was thinking, I wonder if that's something to do with the nature of the drug or the context in which they're taken. It's interesting that. That, that will sort of, um, that will come up. Okay. But this is, this is sort of an important part of it. When, during the encounter, two-thirds of respondents said they received a message, a task, a mission or a purpose... And what kind of messages did they get? Well, they were showing that things like death isn't the end, that everything is connected. Others had personal insights revealed to them. Um, <laughs> one said that the beings revealed the location of a Zippo lighter that they had lost. <laughs> that sounds very Tulpa project. There was another respondent who was um, teaching him the rules and regulations of the NFL. <laughs> Um, (laughs) it's it's hardly the meaning of life is it no but it's this it's this idea of there being a message now sometimes that message is just you need to understand the nfl yeah but what if more often than not it's something which is changing society changing culture you won't change culture by being told where a zippo is but what if you are just being told that to gain trust Oh, I see. So it's stage one. Hey, I've done something for you. Correct. And something else follows. I'm a good person. Right. Then okay. here's the secrets to TCIP or something right. like that. That's the uh, internet le- uh, networking protocol, of course. And <laughs> Of course. <laughs> I, I wasn't quite on your geek level then. But. Oh, I was just thinking there'd be a load of listeners going, TCPIP, is that like that stuff that you dab on cuts and wounds? Yeah, or when you've got spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but then when you start delving into it a little bit more, particularly ayahuasca, this from um, the Medium website, psychedelics are a mystery. They manipulate our brain chemistry to trigger visions, memories, mystical experiences, ego dissolution, emotional healing and profound insights. Yeah. In nature, they're in plants, animals, fungi. And the fact that psychedelics are abundant in nature in itself is intriguing. Um and of course, you know, we know all about like um, there are toads and um, salvia, which is a sort of mint and mm. the cactus called peyote, all of that sort of thing. But then you've got ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is different. Ayahuasca, to be vision inducing and do all the things that it does, has to be prepared. The brew is made from two different plants. They are only hallucinogenic when you combine those two. How on earth did humans know how to combine precisely these two plants from the approximately 80,000 plant species in the Amazon. Yeah, but but, but Colonel Sanders put 11 herbs and spices together. You know, (laughs) my greatest fact about KFC is that the British KFC Twitter stroke X account only follows, I think it's six people... It's the Spice Girls and oh, one yes, other. Yes, I think yes. you told me that. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this this scientist writer points out that to assume that ayahuasca was discovered by trial and error is hopeful at best. While it is believed that shaman have used ayahuasca for thousands of years, the first archaeological evidence dates back about a thousand years. Wow. Well, okay. Um, and if you were to 
ask a shaman how ayahuasca was discovered, they would say, um, because they've carried this myth through hundreds of generations, that the shamans received instructions directly from the plant spirit. And, of course, people talk about meeting the plant spirit on their journey. Right. I really want to know what the plant spirit looks like. Has anyone described it? Uh, No, I mean, so they, they quite often talk about different plant spirits. I did come across one where um, the Potato King came through to them. <laughs> I love the idea of the Potato King. I love that. This is his name, Edward. Oh, it should be, shouldn't it? <laughs> um, but the idea is, like, if these shamans are saying, like, plants have got a consciousness, maybe that consciousness is being manipulated by wow. another being, is, okay. is, is, is where I'm going with this. So right. people who use ayahuasca say they have absolutely no doubt that the plants have a spirit. Do, do they make that second connection? That they, they don't feel they're being manipulated? They don't feel they're being no. manipulated, no. Well, that's because they told them where to find their zippo. Yeah, and the rules of um, the notoriously the the difficult to understand NFL. <laughs> In fact, I might have to take some ayahuasca to find that out myself. Oh, God, I really... like. I, not that I'm... I mean, I am... I'm not... I'm not down for use, losing that much of um, my consciousness. Yeah. But you know when you take it, you vomit right. furiously. Right. And it sounds awful. Yeah. I yeah. just don't think I could do that. But um, <laughs> We're talking about taking the drug rather than watching the NFL, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daniel McQueen is the co-founder of the Centre for Medical Mindfulness and principal organiser of something called DMTX, a program to extend the time of DMT trips from minutes, they usually last about six, to hours. And they do this by maintaining doses through drips. His goal is to create an advanced creative problem-solving tool for technological advancement. And he believes that the only way we will achieve true, proper technology advancement, like we're going to be able to travel between the stars, is by using... Entities contacted through DMT. Wow. Now, so is that? I'm just trying to envisage how that might work. I guess you end up with some kind of body implant that could release kind of certain drugs and whatever substances when you needed them. I guess that's where. It would well, go. well, what they're doing in the um, experiment is they're giving people lo- much longer trips just by drip feeding into their bloodstream yeah. and keeping them at the correct level. Which means that if they're under for an hour, sometimes it feels like you've been under for 30 years. Wow. Which I'm not sure... I don't know if I'd like that. I don't think I would like that at all. Well, there's no way you can tell that you're having a bad time, is there? Tell anybody else. Stop the drip. No, no, no. No, absolutely. Um, These... What is it about this relationship between technology, these entities these messages and our recent advancement. So oh, is there something which is creating this technology-driven planet and brings with it the redundancy of humans and maybe the advancements of machines which allow the realms that, of the, like, the machine elves and others to thrive on our planet in, in our timeline? And a quick question at this point. I mean, I've got quite a few, but um, what is it that suggests that their actions are you know nefarious or evil i mean couldn't they just be helping us 
they they could be just trying to help us. Yes, they could. But okay, you you've asked this at the right time. Okay. Because um I found a, a a research paper called Being Human in the Age of AI and Machine Learning in 2019 and it's by Henrik and the surname I'm afraid it, Come it's, on, I'll give it a go Henrik Skalksotter Okay I do apologise to Henrik <laughs> To Henrik We're going to call him Henrik from now on Henrik a direct quote, I argue that we are seeing an emerging challenge to the concept of what it means to be human as we struggle to define what makes us special and try to come to terms with being surpassed in various ways by computers and the way we use and interact with technology. It changes us in ways which we do not yet fully understand. Now, if these advancements are being driven by these entities, my conclusion here is that our society is being advanced into these changes by something which might be from another, another dimension. Right. I was, going to, I was going to ask where. Because I guess there is an argument, certainly compared to other species on the planet, but it might be a cause and effect, how we seem to have progressed at such an advanced level compared to any other species around us or at least you know even if you i know there's there's uh, people would disagree about kind of dolphins intelligence and all that kind of stuff but let's say or at least in a different way <laughs> to any other species on the planet that there is this almost leap effect now that could be you get to a point where suddenly you just start to grow exponentially, you know, grow if that's the right word to use. But, yeah, that's interesting. So so would that would explain why we seem to be advancing at such a rate, maybe more yeah. than we can actually handle or understand. And if you look at it this way, for thousands of years, whilst shaman were using this, uh, whatever drug it was, but let's say it's DMT, contacting these other realms they are bringing back information that they are using to guide their societies. There's an influence there. That has now stopped, and, and the less cultures we have where that happens, the less people are using hallucinogens to contact these entities, the less control they have over the world. Yeah. So this is another way of taking back control by these entities. So kind of, wow, well, okay. So then the computer bit ties in because that's controlled by code <laughs> as well as, you yeah, know, hallucinogenics. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the whole thing comes So, from... so sorry. No, sorry no, no. To it's that, I, I just was thinking through from last week um, with the AI. So there is some kind of feeling that this AI progress could be somehow either consciously or subconsciously through humans being uh, driven by some outside force at a rate that, that you know, is right to make us nervous. Absolutely, yes. Yes, I think so. Um, and I'm, I'm only saying that this is... this is um, We are horses. <laughs> yeah. I'm only saying it's an idea, but people... Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, we're, if we're advancing this quickly, we're getting answers from another realm, even if... You know, w what people would expect is like, um, you know, 
here's here's a template to build a ZX81. That's not what happens. But they say if you think about about the problem in this way, mm. you will end up with this. And that is why those that's why all of those people started their their computer businesses by thinking about things differently. Yeah. And it is absolutely down to the drugs that they all were in the same place at the same time. And is that just is that just how society was yeah. or were they manipulated into that place that's really interesting i guess the one thing that's seeing me with me with what you're saying is if you go with the shaman and you go with the mystics who you know were interacting let's say with this other realm way back when and maybe it's my perception of it i always you get the feeling maybe it's a romantic view that in some ways these shamans were guiding their people in a in a good and developed way yeah but that doesn't really tie in so either they were resisting the evils of this interference from this other realm or somehow the modus operandi of these beings from this other realm has changed but if they only wanted influence they had the influence right so the argument is not necessarily that um, now they've just sort of they've suddenly become evil and want to take humans off the planet. It's because we stopped listening, and therefore this is their way of putting themselves forward. Right, getting back in the mix. Getting back in the mix. Right, and maybe they just say, "Well, humans now they've got so far. If we push them over the edge, maybe we won't need them anymore. Maybe right. we can come into that world and exist." Wow. Okay. And um, I guess there is no way of proving any of that. There is no evidence that the machine elves want to harm us, but they are giving people missions. They are giving people some, I guess you would call it knowledge. (laughs) I love that fact. Did you really believe when you woke up this morning you'd say, there is no evidence that the machine elves are trying to influence us in this way? Well, no, I didn't actually. No, no, I'll be completely honest. I didn't think I would say that. And and just for uh, for balance, there's another explanation from uh, a 2004 article by uh, a guy called James Kent, and he wrote. (laughs) Did he say they're all tripping? (laughs) (laughs) He wrote psychedelic information theory, shamanism, and the age of reason. He argued that humans across all cultures have alien and heavenly architects, uh, archetypes embedded in their subconscious, and psychedelic tryptamines can access these architects with a high level of success. And he went on to perform a study where he put himself under and challenged the entities to tell him something that he didn't know, and he claims they couldn't, right. therefore proving his theory that it was all in the mind. Right. But he is one of very few people to have come up with that. And as we know, spirits can be tricksterish. Yeah, yeah. And the guy who was being told the rules of the NFL, he says he didn't know them before that. Right. So I don't know. Which so, is probably the best evidence because I've watched NFL a couple of times. I've watched the Super Bowl and it is largely incomprehensible to me. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, me too, me too. That is the idea that perhaps our... we're. As we suckle at the teat of microchips more and more every day, is there a spirit entity that is causing this to happen? I give it to you, yes. But I also <laughs> give it to you, 
Maybe not. <laughs> but I think the, the evidence is really compelling. It's, well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm quite fascinated with what what these because the way you're describing it and maybe it's it's the frame of reference that meets what you can imagine more the way you've described it i've seen them as some kind of entities from a parallel universe or an yeah. alter reality yeah. who you know a bit like we've said with the ants of the moon we they're around we can't really see them but they can kind of delve in and come in a little bit and maybe somehow that by taking these drugs, it makes it easier for us to see them or interact with them. You're seeing it as something like that rather than a, a, a stereotypical kind of ghostly spirit, demonic force. Or is, so, so my question is, is that because that's an easier frame of reference for you to accept or is there evidence in what you've researched? Well... So, so, so I guess most of the, it's worth pointing out the majority of the encounters are positive. There are some negative ones. Mm. Sometimes people do see, see deceased individuals. Sometimes they do see demons. And when I say deceased individuals, it isn't just like your auntie, whatever, Sarah. Uh, but it could be um, Einstein or Jesus, things like that, they right, say. Right. Um, but it is distinctly different to a ghost encounter because they people describe it as realer than real it's a whole other world yeah. where there are, they have their own laws of physics and right. um various uh things that you wouldn't happen you wouldn't see on earth happen and being told that you're immortal and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah but i think those are things are prob- probably it's possible it's a trick it's it is possible maybe they are the same thing after all yeah but the this idea of being given something that you can actually turn into something that affects the world, and all of those people have affected the world quite profoundly, that is different to ghosts who just sort of say, that person killed me, or, you know, in some cases, there's your Zippo lighter, by the way. Yeah. But they don't deliver messages which change the world. Now, I you could also quite rightly say, well... 1960s we're sort of still post-war we're getting our feet back under the table and developing technology for for people again rather than just for a war machine and that that's possible yeah that could be what's going on there but let's say it isn't let's say that these other things are they have an influence which appears positive but could be maligned that's that is basically yeah yeah so there are different experiences. Does this tie in a little bit in some ways? You know, when we've talked about sleep paralysis in the past and we've kind of gone, yes, it probably is some kind of psychological or, you know, neurological effect, but it's weird that everybody sees the same thing, the old hag or the monk. Yes. Or, are you seeing parallels in these experiences with that, with the elves? Absolutely, and all that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so that people, is strange. Yeah, and people agree on what they have seen, and sometimes people will be spoken to by these entities. They will say, "Oh, you're back again." Um, mm. They will introduce themselves, which is, I guess, was what I was alluding to earlier with kind of hippies and LSD, because they're. 
I, again, it might be my interpretation of it, but or my my knowledge of it. But I always see those encounters as purely random. You know what I mean? Somebody sees a kind of flying pig, and somebody else sees a you know a talking plant. Whereas this seems more na- a narrowed field, which I was wondering could that be <clears throat> due to the nature of the drugs, or in that last report that you talked about, is the guy basically saying? There's something intrinsic in us when certain yes. things get released that we just see that. That's right. That's what he say. Yeah. So, yeah. so a bit like when people used to have um, religious dreams, and then that kind of turned into UFO abductions because that's our yes. modern cultural reference. But it's intrinsic in us rather than any outside force. That's right. Um, and funnily enough, in an upcoming podcast, I'll be covering that with um the idea of uh paranormal food and right. the and the use of that to make people comfortable with an unusual well, uh, situation but yeah it, it i think the thing is though people see this as unusual for them it's like going from london to japan everything's weird yeah but everyone has the same experience yeah yeah whereas if it were um just a random drug experience, you'd, you know, you'd see a talking blind or a yellow lion. Yeah. Uh, lions are yellow. A blue lion um, and not the pub. But you would, <laughs> you would see various different things which are not, are not what your neighbour would see. Yeah, there's more of a correlation with these experiences. I just wanted to show you, this is interesting. So, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, ayahuasca we know that its use goes back at least a thousand years this is a picture of um, the first archaeological evidence of an ayahuasca taking kit oh, wow. it's quite involved isn't it that, that's quite complex what's that it is quite complex um, so i'm just going to describe there's some kind of cloth thing there's that's the bag pleasingly yeah. or not pleasingly that is made out of fox's snouts wow that is it b the that looks a bit like a battery, but I, I, yeah, no, they, it looks like a vaping device. Doesn't yes, it? that's what I was thinking. No, yeah. no, they, they, those are pots to keep the different um, uh, the different elements in. So uh, one is uh, one has got one of the herbs, the other has got the other. Right. Then you've got the thing to mix it in. You've got the tool to um, drink it with. Um, you've got the overall case for all your tools, and then you've got little mixing things. Wow! And how old's that? That's a thousand years. Wow. I like the Zippo and the American football in there as well. No, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel sorry for the poor fox's snouts. But people, yeah. the, the reason I mention that is because obviously it was, um, it was given a, a large amount of gravitas. This kit yeah. was well, for people who knew how to use it. I, I will stick this up on social media at TQM Podcast, but there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight items in there? Yeah. Nine, eight or nine items. Yeah that go involved into this, which again adds to the kind of spiritual nature of it, doesn't it? It's very ritualistic, you know, a bit like a Japanese tea ceremony. It's almost as much about the ceremony as the drinking of the tea. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of sets the tone for what you're about to experience, that that's so complex and has all these elements to it. Yeah. It was a heck of a party bag because they also had uh, traces of cocaine in there as well. Blimey. I know. It was quite the night out. So in terms of this original meeting that got all these these computer geeks together who went on to be B 
billionaires and launched some of the biggest companies that have probably impacted our world. Mm. Um, I love that feeling of <laughs> they just all turn up. Like, who invited you? Well, I don't know. It was some guy called Zorg. <laughs> who invited <laughs> you? You know, so that was Zorg as well. Is he here? No, he's not here. Well, well they're all they're all there because they see this vision of computers expanding people's minds, yeah. and they all want to. They all want to play their part, and they've all had ideas, like some of their ideas. Um, <laughs> Bill Gates apparently originally thought that the hardware should be the thing you paid for and the software should be free. Right. Changed his mind there at some <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, they could get regular thing. But, but this is how, you know, you still get open source operating systems yeah. and stuff. Yeah. This is, where, this is where it all derives from, this yeah. thinking here. But it's not necessarily that the entities are driving them to go, well, you've all got to get together at this place. It's giving them the power to enable that to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's the empowerment and that sort of, um, if we do this to enough, this will be the way forward. And if they're sort of entities that can see through space and time, you know, Doctor Who-ish type things, mm. they can see where AI is going. And maybe when people from certain communities describe... AI as being the work of the devil, maybe it's actually the work of, of yeah, or are they demons? Who knows? Oh, yeah. I, no, I, I hate used. We never use the word. We don't like that word. But uh, I'd love to, you know, like I was saying last week, a couple of the leading people in AI have come out to speak against it or to, to warn us of the dangers. I'd love one of them to come out with this theory. That'd be fantastic. Can you imagine? Well, I did go to this meeting, but I was being influenced by an entity from a parallel universe. That machine elf. Yeah, the machine elf. Oh, I'd love, there must be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google that. There must be some artist impressions. Of oh, the there are. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can imagine what they're gonna look like. But I, you know, I was talking earlier about the YouTubers who do that thing. They pretend to be computers, and they're yeah. quite elf-like. Um, in a way, that would tie into that last study that you talked about, wouldn't it? That there is some way within us that there is a kind of need or a, a, a something that draws us to that image or that behaviour. Yeah. Which would explain why they're so successful on YouTube. Uh, yes, I think that's right. Yes, I mean, it could be the archetype again. Yes. Um, I guess you can argue it either way, can't you? Yeah, yeah. But I guess people also dress up as My Little Pony. That is true. And they're successful. They're definitely horses. Maybe maybe that, maybe that, My Little Pony is also an archetype. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, that'd be good to delve more into the psychology of that. But it does always fascinate me, like with the sleep paralysis, how, you know, why? Why do we need that image of the hag, why do we need that, you know, the dark monk, you know, and in this one, why do we need the kind of, let's call them cyber elves, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Why? Why? And the insectoids were there as well. <laughs> and, and if you take it back, is the cyber elf just the modern day equivalent of the elves that we've talked about historically on the podcast before? Again, maybe it's feeding some need, desire, want, purpose. That's, you know... But I guess that's what you're saying is this episode has gone, well, this could be a purpose, a reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ben, that was really fascinating, really interesting. I love that, the angle of that. I know we've talked about um, 
various drug-induced things before, but the tying in with computers, I'd never really thought about. I mean, I did know that, you know, these guys were hippies and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't realise the level to which hallucinogenics had played in that progress. And No, I think a lot of people put it into the same camp as... Um, um, Paul McCartney waking up with the words of, uh, well, with the tune of yesterday mm. in his head and go, well, he was just, this guy was tripping and came up with um, the internet protocols. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really like that. It was, they'd already got some of the ideas, but to make it work, it's like the Terminator 2 thing. They needed to understand what they didn't understand, if you sort of mean, yeah. to, get them, to get them through. They'd got so far. And the drug helped them get that far. Wow. Well, amazing. Well, TQM Toll Project. We, it's been a bit quiet, hasn't it? We've been a bit quiet over the last couple of weeks. Yes. Um, so this is our mission uh, to get everybody thinking about Sherlock Holmes as a real character um, rather than a fictional character. And we've had some interesting experiences ourselves and feedback of this we created the tqm topic scale which ranges from weird coincidences weird coincidences to a full apparition no full apparitions or sightings yet. no not yet so i would say we've got a couple more level one level two Ooh, activity nice. so uh we had an interesting message from a husband and wife team called paranormal presence i think they do paranormal stuff and do ghost hunts and things like that and they're present at it they're present at it so paranormal presence i'm sure they're online on facebook so go check them out they say hi guys a really good podcast as usual i'm not sure which one that was bless them as always good um i want to report a sherlock holmes occurrence you could say so i was listening to another podcast after i listened to yours and it was a serious debate and the name sherlock holmes came up Okay, I thought. And then again, on another podcast, they were doing a funny play. And one of the guys on the podcast said, I'm Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) We get a lot of these coincidences. Yeah, we get a lot of the podcasting. I was thinking, is that an algorithm thing? But... Uh, if was, it's embedded in it, I'm not sure. It could yeah, be. it's kind of embedded in it. We we even in the TQM Tolpa project, we didn't put Sherlock Holmes in the title, so it's not coming from there. You know what I mean? You could see if it said if we put out an episode called the Sherlock Holmes episode, and then you got fed another Sherlock Holmes. Ooh, thing. Ooh. But it doesn't seem as literal as that. Uh, they closed by saying, "Hope you guys are well and keep up the podcasts." Two smiley faces. Thank you. This one. Uh, that one was good. This one, I think, is almost on another level and certainly rules out any um, algorithm-type stuff. Uh, this is from Sally Ann Clench, who says, listened a few weeks ago to the podcast and was researching Victorian morgues for history for our paranormal investigations report. That sounds like a good thing to research. Yeah. Oh, all I can think of with Victorian morgues is that story you told us about the guy having to take a fork down there. Yeah, the yeah. most random here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they say, well, weirdly, they clicked randomly on an article of interest and saw the name Sherlock Holmes mentioned. Researching the history for next investigation, found out it is believed to be used as inspiration for the location of the Hounds of the Baskerville. Ah, that is very interesting. This is where it gets weirder. Oh, gosh. 
Today, we had to cancel the investigation due to the weather. And being shown on Sky Arts is Hounds of the Basket. No! <laughs> so their, their, their journey to where, apparently, uh, they influenced the writing of Hounds of the Baskerville was cancelled due to the weather. They basically went back home, stuck on Sky Arts, and there was Hounds of the Baskerville. That is crazy. I almost I think I know what that day is because I recorded Hound of the Baskervilles off Sky Arts, I remember, onto my Sky Arts. Oh, it was in the black and white one. Uh, I haven't I haven't started it yet. I just saw it on the planner. Oh, the black and white ones. The bla- really I hope good. it is the black and white really one. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Can't remember the guy's name. No. Something Rathbone comes to my butt. I'm yeah. not sure if it is. I, yes, it's something like that. Yeah. A good a good English actor from the 50s name. Yeah, and he's got... So it's funny, when you see the artist's impression of Sherlock Holmes, because I guess in modern times you either think of Robert Downey Jr. or you think of Benedict Cumberbatch. But... Um, some of the original drawings of Sherlock Holmes, he had this kind of huge hooked nose. He was kind of an elderly gentleman. Um, and certainly in that black and white version of Hounds of the Baskerville, the Sherlock who plays him is probably more typical the look of Sherlock Holmes than we've got used to in recent oh, I think so, yes, yes. Uh, Basil Rathbone is who you're thinking of. Basil Rathbone, yes. Well, I've got, I've got the Rathbone right. You did, good. yeah, 1939. Wow. Earlier than I thought. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well, maybe this these these two stories may spark a bit more um, a bit more Sherlock Holmes interest. I think we went through the principle because some of the best encounters were people who either, as I'll never forget the comment, I've put minimal effort into this, or, <laughs> and it worked the best, and it worked the best, or people who just weren't who'd heard it and weren't partaking at all, and they seem to have had the weirdest ones, but. Um, so probably that's why we went a bit quiet, but we'll see if there's more coming up. I'd love to get a sighting, though. That's that's our ultimate aim. But we did say when we launched this thing that could take a while, maybe a year or even a couple of years. I'm going to focus on because um, the next. So people are all away on holiday at the moment, and uh, my town is quite quiet when you walk through in the morning. The normal time when you see a rush of people is school uh, when when schools have got drop off. And I was thinking, I'm going to see if I could start sort of forcing my tulpa to be in the crowd of parents at the school, um, because it would give the tulpa the perfect place to be. Yes. Yeah. 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 That'd be really good. If you, if we, I'd love it if it manifested in a really weird place. Yeah. Like in the crowd at a Taylor Swift gig or something. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Basil Rathbone, up on stage. (laughs) What, son? Um, Brilliant. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you want to follow us on Facebook, it's at TQM Podcast. Same for Twitter. Uh, And if you want to check us out and become a Patreon... It's uh, patreon.com forward slash TQM pod. And uh, as we're just doing this last bit at the end, um, I didn't, the, a foible of Apple is that when you log in in the country that uh, you're in, you don't get to see the reviews from other countries. And I just found a, a way of looking at other people's reviews oh. from around the, the world. And I hadn't realised that a lot of you from Ireland and America and Australia 
have left us some really nice five-star reviews in your territories. So I'm sorry we didn't thank you for it. We just didn't know they were there. But yeah. um, really, really appreciate it. I'm glad. It's amazing. We've got listeners in New York, on both seaboards, yeah. across the middle. Yeah. Ireland, lovely, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. And thank you for leaving those reviews. And So we've worked out how we can see them now. I have, yes, yes. Cool, cool. So we'll keep an eye out for them. But... Yes, if you can do that as well, um, like and review, that's always great for us. And to be honest, you know, apart from it's good for us and and helps us with algorithms and stuff like that, I, I really enjoy reading them. The ones you sent through that we didn't know about, there were some really lovely ones there, so thank you. They, they, yeah, they really were. Um, yeah, it, it sort of, um, yeah, makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, keeps us going. All right, well, we'll be back next week with more Quantum Mechanics Weirdness. Thanks Take for care. listening. Bye. Bye. Are you the Quantum Mechanics?